Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the podcast where we showcase and highlights the different agents and their different gifts in the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have the myth, the man, the legend himself, David Bailey is with us. Thank you so much for being here, David. You are very kind. I appreciate the opportunity. Hi, David. Thank you so much. John, you stole my intro. I was going to introduce David as the man, myth, and legend. <laughs> but I guess that just goes to show how true it is, if that's something that we all think about David. Um, David, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those of you who don't know who David is, he is the managing broker of the Baird & Warner Lincoln Park office. He's been managing that office since 2014, and he started his career in real estate as an agent back in 2004, um, and he really took off, was a very successful realtor, which is just one of the reasons why he's an extremely successful managing broker. Um, a lot of our agents say that David Bailey is greater than Google, so I don't know that there's a better testimonial for David than that. He's very creative in helping um, us as agents come up with solutions to our problems. Um, he's very encouraging and keeps us accountable to make sure that we do follow through on our business plans to get to the success that we both want and deserve. And as proof of some of that, um, David has twice been a finalist for the Managing Broker of the Year Award through Chicago Agent Magazine, and he has helped agents achieve Rookie of the Year status both within um, our company and also citywide and also reaching top uh, producer level statuses citywide. So what a guy. We are so thrilled you're our Managing Broker and especially excited to have you as a guest on our podcast today. You guys are too kind. I appreciate the opportunity. And honestly, first of all, I want to give you guys some kudos because uh, just the simple fact that you took the effort and energy and time to launch this podcast is amazing. And to share just some samples of the amazing stories of the brokers that we have in our office through this platform is a gift to so many to share those thoughts outside of our, our Lincoln Park office. So thank you guys for that. I really appreciate it. We love it. It's a lot of fun, huh, John? Fun. Yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> it's my favorite part of my job. <laughs> I have to. I have to agree. It's it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know, to get to learn the stories behind a lot of our agents, and I'm sure David, for you too. Like you work so closely with some of these people, you know a lot about them, their personal lives, and also you know what makes their businesses tick. And there's a lot of joy in that. There is, and and you know, I think. Even me listening to every episode that you guys have done, I learn something new each time about the brokers that are interviewed. And whether it's their why they got into real estate or some of the logistics of how they run their business and support their clients, it's just, it's a special venue. So uh, again, congrats to you guys and we appreciate that you're doing this. Well, we appreciate not being kicked off the air yet. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> for now, for now. <laughs> Um, we'd love to just get started learning a little bit about your background in real estate. Um, and then John, as usual, has come up with some fantastic questions for you after that that we'll transition into. But if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate, why, and then how you made that transition into management. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, 
I uh, am originally from Connecticut and grew up in a real estate family, but not necessarily in the traditional sense of a, uh, a real estate broker, mother or father. My father was a licensed real estate broker, but he actually owned a real estate company. So he uh, in Connecticut uh, had about a 10 or 12 office company in the state of Connecticut and uh, you know, four or 500 brokers that supported and they were a large productive company out there. And so I recall every time I would be, uh, you know, he would be driving me around to different sporting events or whatever it is. He had the old car phone that was mounted in the side of his car and he would always be on the phone uh, talking to brokers or, or some of his managers about different real estate related uh, challenges. And so uh, I was exposed to it at a very young age and it was just very normal. My, sister, my sisters and I used to go to real estate offices and play with the copiers and look through the giant listing books that uh, some people that listen to this may remember. There used to be giant books full of listings and that's how you could figure out which homes were on the market. They were not on our version of the MLS now. So isn't that crazy to think about that? But uh, it was fun. You know, we, it was always something I knew I enjoyed and I saw uh, how passionate he was about it and helping other people and not only building businesses, but also helping clients through the, the process of buying and selling home and being a part of that and how significant that is in somebody's life. So it was always on my radar, something I was interested in, but in like all uh, good kids probably do, they say, there's no chance I will ever do real estate. It's nothing I want to do. My father did it. I want to carve my own path. And so I went off to school and became a psychology major up in uh, Wisconsin at UW-Madison. And I chose psychology, not with any intention, but psychology was the class that I found interesting. So I just chose to be a psychology major because I found it interesting. I, and, you know, honestly, I think there are a lot of skills that, that I learned and, and things I, uh, I read that transfer over very nicely into sales, whether it's real estate sales or any sales. Um, but ultimately, I, uh, you know, after about after school, I took a job working in the uh, internet field for a company called Earthlink. And some people will remember Earthlink if we hear the orange symbol based out of out of California. And I took a job as a, a regional salesperson for Earthlink. And my job was to go around to all of the different retail locations for Best Buy, Costco, um, you know, Office Depot, Office Max, and try and train those sales associates on why somebody should choose Earthlink over Net Zero or America Online or any of those other CDs you used to receive in the mail all of the time. So Wow, that's, that's a crazy. throwback. Oh, I know, I know. And you remember, you used to get bombarded with those CDs. Every single day oh, you'd show yeah. up in your mailbox, there was a new one trying to get you installed on your computer. The latest version uh, of AOL on CD was like the greatest day ever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Any upgrade, right? And we all the dial-up times and all of that craziness. So. Uh, I did that for about a year and drove all over the Midwest. And again, not being from the Midwest and then uh, coming to Chicago uh, because my now wife is from Chicago uh, and she won the battle. And I use battle very loosely of whether we were going to go to the Northeast or the Midwest. Uh, but I was you know, thrilled to be here and learn about the area and, and learn about the different uh, towns around Chicago, but also get to know the city a little bit. And then at one point, I think Earthlink realized that this whole national sales strategy and trying to get newly graduated college kids to train retail sales associates that had, you know, I would never go to, this, to the same store and see the same people, right? It was always somebody new that was turning over. So uh, they decided to lay off our entire national sales team, which was my entree to say, okay, now it's time to maybe consider real estate. 
So uh, I jumped in, got my license, and I guess, as they say, the rest is history at this point. <laughs> um, well, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm sure glad that Earthlink laid off their whole staff or we, uh, we wouldn't have you as our fearless leader. Right. No, as, as am I, as am I. And I, uh, you know, so as I was taking that jump into real estate, I, I was very lucky to have a resource like my father to ask questions. You know, what should I be looking for in a brokerage? Uh, what do I need to know about launching a real estate career? And all of those, all of those questions. And I, he would always give me very honest answers, but to his credit, he has always been one that said, you know, listen, you need to figure out what works best for you. You need to figure out what, you know, matches your personality style and, and your path to success. And uh, make that decision and commit to it. So, so I did. I interviewed around a lot of different places, and I still uh, will never forget my interview with my Baird and Warner manager. Uh, his name is Brian Heilig. Who was uh, his father, Steve, is still with the company. Both fantastic guys. Brian was a great manager. Uh, he has since moved to Florida. But uh, I said to Brian when he asked me, "Well, well, why are you getting into real estate?" I gave a little bit of my background, uh, and then he said, "Well, what do you hope to accomplish?" And my answer to him, which I don't think he's ever heard, and I will tell you, I think I've only heard this one other time in my career being on the other side of the interview table, was that I want to manage one of Baird Warner's largest offices. And he said, oh, well, you know, that's interesting. I said, well, I want to learn the business from the ground up and I want to be able to add value to brokers, but I really am a builder. I'm ambitious and I want to uh, manage one of Baird Warner's largest offices. So, uh, and here we are. So I, I built a successful sales career from 2004 until about 2010. I had an assistant manager role with the Lincoln Park in Old Town, and we had actually had a Bucktown Working Park office at the time as well. Navigated through some fun times during the recession in 2008 to 2010 and 11, uh, and then got an opportunity to manage our Evanston office in 2011 until 2014, where I transitioned back to Lincoln Park. And that is where I still am today, and I love every bit of my opportunity. Um, I love that about your dad too, and being able to like use him as a resource and his experience, probably in helping you make some decisions when you first got into real estate. I'm sure you probably picked up the phone a couple times and called him while you were doing business too to get some advice. Always, always, and I will tell you, I, I learned, continue to learn, but I, I learned a lot from him. He was always one that would, you knew he knew the answer, but you couldn't just go and ask the question and get the answer. You had to ask the question and say, well, this is what I think is the right answer. This is what I, what my perspective is because of A, B, or C. And then he would have a discussion about it and say, well, yeah, that makes sense. And this is what you should do. And this is how you should do it. Um, and that's transitioned over. And, you know, a lot of our brokers will know I'm the same way. Uh, oftentimes, you, you know, I could simply give an answer, but I think that doesn't actually help somebody build a skill set for long-term success. So uh, I think I, I do a lot of the same things that he taught me now in uh with our current brokers i was gonna say that sounds familiar i think i've heard that a, a few times but it does it does force the agents to really think a little bit more critically about their business it's not just you know getting the answer but being able to come up with that answer for themselves and find those solutions moving forward um if absolutely yeah so i think that's fantastic yeah and it's very it's very empowering right i think uh, it's not just understanding what the answer is, but you have to understand why it matters and what are the potential outcomes and all of that. So it's taking that next level deeper. And I think that only helps people serve their clients more effectively going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know John has some great questions for you too. So John, you want to take Oh boy, John, here we go. Wait, well, you already answered the first one. Was it your intention to become a managing broker? So 
Someone knocked that one out. See? Look at that. Check it off. <laughs> Making it happen. Yeah. Um, so this is a replacement for that one. What, what was it like transitioning from being like your own real estate agent from running your own business to all of a sudden being a managing broker? Like, was that a whole mindset switch? How did you navigate that? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. And I, you know, one thing I will say, and I credit Baird and Warner for this, um, Laura Ellis and Steve Baird and the whole leadership team developed something called Baird and Warner's Leadership Institute. And it's a six month program. Uh, to my knowledge, we are the only company around that offers something like this. And the goal of that program is to identify people that have an interest in potentially managing offices in the future, or at least getting involved in some version of a leadership role and expose them to what that may look like. So typically it's a six month program. You meet once a month, uh, you get exposure to existing managing brokers, the executive team, uh, you know, really it's meant to demystify what it could look like to a certain extent to manage an office. Uh, so, and on top of that, of course, you know, being around uh, the environment that I was growing up, I had a pretty decent idea of what to expect. Right. But one thing that I always knew, and I think it's true for all uh, real estate management roles, is you need to absolutely have the heart of a teacher. You need to know how you're wired. Uh, and I think you guys know this about me as well. It is not about my success. I could care less. I really get my satisfaction from seeing other people around me succeed. And uh, so I knew that it, in this role, it should be, it could be a pretty good match. Um, but the transition is tough, you know, especially I was a, I was a younger guy and uh, in my first management role, potentially the youngest person in the office. And here I walk into an environment where uh, one broker on day one came up to me and said, just so you know, I don't need a managing broker, so please just stay out of my way. And <laughs> so, uh, that was my introduction to, to management. And, you know, in, in the beginning, especially, I think you are just looking to do everything you can to add value and kind of the opposite of what I was saying before, I would just quickly try and answer questions and be the one who knew everything and, and build my, my real estate street cred, so to speak. And but over time, you realize that that is not the most effective way to do it. So I think the hardest part was just changing my mindset to being more of the teacher of process and not being just the, uh, the one that gives a direct answer or the direct answer to the question. I want to teach you the, the whole cliche that I'll totally butcher right now. I want to teach you how to fish, not just give you the fish or whatever that is. That's what I want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I guess coming as a first leadership role, if I were in one, I would want to give the answers. I would want to look like I know exactly what I'm doing. I would want to be the guy who's on top of everything. So I would definitely just give out those easy answers because I mean, that'd be very validating for me to be able to, but real leadership comes from making, letting them fish. Yeah. Real leadership comes from not having the answers always and making people do the work. Absolutely. And it's fun. You know, honestly, that, that, that is again, truly how I, kind of find my satisfaction from my, from my role and, and working in this career. And, you know, I think it's an amazing opportunity to our, think of our career as a whole. You know, we truly are impacting people's lives, but then take a step back. And I always think about it from my perspective to have the opportunity to lead this office of you know, 175 brokers, uh, some of the top brokers in the Chicagoland area and develop a, a training program to help new brokers launch their business and have the resources for experienced brokers to help take their business to the next level. And it's just a way to scale that impact on such a crazy level. Uh, sometimes I have to, you know, take a step back during, not to say that all days are 
sunshine and roses, right? We all have challenging days, but sometimes I do have to take a step back and, and really think uh, it's pretty amazing the opportunity that we're given to impact so many people in such a positive way. So uh, that's something that I always try and, and make sure I remember. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next question what, was, what about your job gives you energy? But you answered that one. Man, I'm just all over it today, John. <laughs> so what, like going along with that, what are some of the biggest highlights in your career at Lincoln Park specifically that like when you just think really quick about what the best moments about being a managing broker were, what are some of those moments? You know, again, I would say some of those moments, they're always driven by other people. So, uh, you know, Nagin mentioned having multiple rookies of the year, not only uh, company-wide, but city-wide as well. That is fantastic. Um, we've had the top agent company-wide in our office, Millie Rosenblum, who's a true superstar and just a genuine, genuinely kind human. Uh, she, you know, we're constantly working on her business and working to, to implement new opportunities to, to grow her business and serve her clients and uh, seeing her break her records year after year after year uh, with, with productivity. Uh, but really, I would say there's just every single year, there's highlights for individual people, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. That's one. And I would say personally, the thing that and I really didn't start thinking about this until maybe about three, two or three years ago, uh, but also kind of the idea of legacy. And I forget even the name of the book I was reading, but it was talking about legacy and uh, you know, your footprint that you leave behind. And, you know, I obviously, you know, John, you know, Nagin very well. And, and Nagin is, is a superstar in best the best you know, not even up and coming, she's a superstar. So, uh, and I know we've only scratched the surface of the great things that she's going to do for, for you know, herself and Baird and Warner as a whole. But, you know, I, I have other assistant managers like Eric Schwinger in the past, and he's just thriving up in his new role as a managing broker. And all of these other agents just around the community that are just doing such a great job. So I would say uh, those types of, of successes are really what, you know, give me the most satisfaction. Yeah. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say that like my job was to call greatness out of people. That's and true. I, I love that. that. You're doing, and I love that you find you know passion, like you have a passion for it, and you're good at it, and that's really that's really exciting to me because what draws me to what draws me to this whole business is the community aspect of it, and investing in relationships, and to know that the managing broker of our branch is so invested in people and so invested in relationships is like super, super inspiring. Oh, I, I think it's so true. And it's a great way to put it. And it's interesting in our business too, because, you know, Nagin and I have these conversations all of the time with, with people that are considering real estate as a career. Uh, it's confusing coming in because there are so many different brokerage models that are out there and it kind of seems like they're all the same, but really they're not. And you know, we all have fantastic tools like technology and, and we're innovative and, uh, you know, Baird and Warner is no different. We have every amazing tool and resource that's out there. Mm -hmm. But one of the things, and I think it starts at the top with Steve Baird, is he truly believes that this is a relationship business. It's not just the relationships between our agents and their buyers and sellers. Of course, that's a piece of it. But it's also the relationships between the executive team and the managers and the agents and everything else. And, uh, you know, that to me always has to be a number one priority. We need the great tech, we need the great resources, we need that, but you cannot compromise on the level of individual support in an office uh, because I, that community piece I think is so crucial to you know, not only productivity, but just general positive culture and happiness with what you're doing. So uh, that's obviously a big piece of what we do. Yeah, 100%, 100%.
Yeah. And I'd argue that, you know, the agents in our office really believe in that community. And that's probably one of their favorite things is just the great culture that we do have at the Lincoln Park location. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it goes across the board. And of course we talk about selling real estate, but I mean, you guys know some of these too, but think about all of the great things we've done with the Goodwill Network and some of the fundraisers we've done and just the fun we have outside of the office. All of that to me works together. It's not just about setting a goal to uh, you know, have an office that sells a billion in real estate or have 250 brokers working out of our office. I don't, you know, that matters, but it doesn't matter. I want to create an environment where people are drawn to and just truly feed off of each other's success. That to me is the ultimate way. I think it's so cool to see that like this vision you had for Lincoln Park as a managing broker has manifested and it is clear that community is important. It is clear that relationships are important. And that's like, that is a huge win that we should take time and recognize. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to move to the, to the flip side. What are some of the most difficult aspects of being a managing broker? Yeah, and, and there are a lot. It's a great question. Um, and there's so many different ways that you think about this question. I mean, sure. you know, there are challenges like we're going through right now and, you know, a pandemic and, having to pivot an entire office to a remote work structure versus an in-person structure. And, uh, you know, again, we couldn't have made that change so quickly and so effectively without a great team around and not only support at the office level with, with people like you guys, but also at the corporate level with our training department and, and management team there. Uh, so there's challenges like that that are market driven. I have also learned, you know, going through the recession, going through the pandemic, there's, certain things that are just always going to be out of your control, right? So, so things are going to happen. And I've learned very quickly that the real estate market is incredibly resilient and housing is a need. People need housing. And we are lucky to live in this city of Chicago, which is this amazing opportunity, uh, not only from a lifestyle perspective, but from a large city, we are generally a very affordable opportunity to, to own a home. And so, uh, when it comes to challenges and, and these types of things, I think, uh, you know, me personally, I think I try and figure out where the opportunities are amongst all those challenges and not focus too much on those challenges. And from a real estate broker perspective, the ones that are quick to identify those opportunities are the ones that are always going to be more success, more successful in kind of taking more uh, market share and serving more clients during this period of time. So. Uh, there are so many different challenging pieces and, you know, Nagin knows all sorts of stuff. We've had these conversations a lot. So that would be kind of a, a macro look. Um, on a micro look, honestly, it's, it's always about finding balance. You know, I have, uh, between my wife, my wife and I have three little kids. And so I have a, a 10 year old, an eight year old and a six year old. So my personal challenge is always just trying to, to juggle it all and being present when I'm at work, being present when I'm at home and trying to find the right way to, to make all of those, keep all those plates spinning and keep things moving forward. Well, which is perfect, because the next question is, how do you balance family and career? So. <laughs> John is I'm almost, it's today, almost John, like he man. had these questions oh, in advance. Look at that. It's so weird, he's so prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak to that a little bit more, how do you balance family and career? How do you make sure you're not burnt out at work or burnt out at home? Or like, how do you find inner, peace and inner you know energy when sure. you have to be on all the time i'm terrible yeah. at being on all the time i would hate it it's hard right it's hard it's hard for our real estate brokers it's hard for our staff it's hard for the management it's hard for everybody uh real estate's a very demanding career because we don't have set nine to five hours right, right. so technically 
you know, there, there might be working hours, so to speak, but things are happening at all hours of the day, every day of the week or every national holiday. I always feel like uh, I seem to be busiest on holidays because that's when everybody's home and they can talk and make decisions. But uh, you know, the, the balance is challenging. And I'll tell you, like the new layer in, my, in our world right now is my daughter, who is now soon to be 11, uh, is really pushing for a cell phone. And so I'm trying to figure out the answer is going to be no, so she doesn't know this yet. <laughs> uh, answer, hopefully, she won't listen to your podcast. Um, she doesn't have a phone to listen to it on, so you're good. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the, I guess the answer is in, in how to find that balance. It's I'm always in pursuit of it, uh, but I've been really focused just on being present. So uh, when I come home, oftentimes I will not have. I'll leave my phone upstairs, and I'll be downstairs. Uh, the this quarantine time has really been challenging. Uh, my wife is, is works full-time as well. So to do an e-learning schedule with two full-time working parents has been interesting to say the least. We, we may just send our kids to a victory lap around their previous grade just to, to relearn everything. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Just there, there was a lot that maybe slipped through the cracks there, but I, you know, I just, I'm always looking just to be present. That's always my goal. And so when I'm at the office, I do my best to be present and available and, and be a good listener. When I'm at home, it's the same thing. Uh, rather than, you know, multitasking and doing both ineffectively, I think trying to be where you are. Yeah, for sure. Matters the most. How do you make sure that you have time for you as well? <laughs> Unfortunately, usually that goes to like number three, but it should be number one. I, I fully appreciate that. Uh, and honestly, I'm a morning person. So the only time I can really own before, uh, before real estate, real estate wakes up around like nine 30 or 10 usually. So, uh, the only time I can really own is my morning. So I'm, I'm very good about trying to make sure that, uh, you know, I exercise in the morning and I do, uh, either some reading or, or something for myself before everybody else's day starts, because otherwise I agree my, my bucket would empty and I would have nothing left to give. Um, and not to say there are times where I, I, I feel like my bucket is empty, but uh, you, know, you have to be very cognizant and aware of constantly you know, refilling it. Yeah, for sure. I, just to me, the, the whole idea is so fascinating of being a father and a husband and a manager. Like that's so much to juggle all the time. Like it's truly impressive. I'm truly just curious how anyone does it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of people needing you for very different yeah. things too. So it's, it's not even just balancing it all, but like you said, being present with who you're with because like the needs of children are different from your spouse or different from your agent. So you're constantly having to probably get yourself into a different mindset just to Absolutely. deal with whatever the situation is that's in front of you. Yeah. You know, like anything, you always have to adapt. And I, even my real estate career, I think prepares you for everything as a real estate broker, you know, you have to adapt on the fly all of the time and every client can have different needs or you might think they have one need and then all of a sudden they pivot and they need something else. And so, um, it, it, you guys know I've always been a believer in just asking the right questions to get to uh, what the true motivation is. And so I do ask a lot of questions and I do think I'm a good listener. And, and that skill is transferable to all of those different audiences, you know, whether it's, it's my wife or my kids or uh, our real estate brokerage team. I think asking great questions is a skill that everybody should spend time kind of honing in on and, and making sure that, uh, you know, you're up to speed on, on the latest and greatest techniques and methods. And that's where my 19, 18 year old self taking that psychology major, maybe loop back around. I didn't know why I was doing it, but that probably helped out a little bit too. It all works out in the end. Absolutely. It absolutely. All does. 
Um, what's some advice you would give to someone starting out in real estate today? If I came to you and said, I'm going to get my, my license, what would you tell me? So, so John, for you, I would say, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, obviously it's a conversation I have a lot and I've had that conversation twice already today. Mm -hmm. And I think a real estate career is an incredible opportunity that I don't think a lot of people truly appreciate what the opportunity is. And I'm, you know, let's park the helping people side, but even financially, right? What other business can you, you know, take a, take a class, spend maybe $2,000 in the first year to launch it. And you have a ceiling of income that is a little bit limitless. I mean, we, we have brokers that make well into the six figures their first year in the business and their output from expenses was, was nominal. I mean, if you were to open up a, a franchise of any you know, subway or something like that, it were, would require a gigantic bank account with liquid assets. You'd have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to open the store. And if you made six figures, if your net profitability was over hundred K in year, in year one, you would be thrilled. But yeah. your risk was so significant. So uh, I make sure that all new brokers fully understand that they are opening it a business, and but that there is amazing opportunity. And then the second thing I say is, uh, you know, there's really two sides to a real estate business. It's serving your clients and having the skill set and the resources to serve them effectively. But the second side is, can you generate opportunity? And mm-hmm. do you know how to generate leads? Do you know how to have, how to have conversations and network and get yourself out there? And oftentimes people focus so much on one or the other, and it does vary that they're not ready to actually truly grow a business. And so, uh, you know, I always drill down a little bit more on one side or the other. Usually they will come to me and they will say, well, uh, and I'm sure Nagin, you've had some of these conversations. Well, I really like people and I, I like HGTV and I think that houses are great. I like looking at houses online. Well, just because you like looking at houses online doesn't necessarily mean that you can run a business. And so, uh, You know, the, the biggest piece of advice I would, I would encourage people to consider is, are you a self-starter? Do you have a work ethic? If you don't have a work ethic, then honestly, building a real estate business is going to be really hard. Uh, I, we talk about it all the time, but we will push people all day long and encourage them and help hold them accountable to goals and give them the right plan to help them be successful. But I'm also not going to call you every day at 7 a.m. and say, hey, are you, are you coming to work? Right. I just expect that you will. And there was... Um, for me personally, my, my father in his office had this picture, and it's actually in my office now too, that says deeds, not words. And it's a concept I fully believe in. We come, to, we come up with some fantastic plans to help people launch real estate businesses, but as you both know, we can't do it all for everyone, right? We, we can teach you how to do it, we can help you do it, but we can't actually do it all for every single person. You have to want it. And so uh, somebody that's getting into the business has to fully understand that when they're launching the business, they have to put the right people around them and they have to be willing to make that commitment to truly growing something special. Yeah, it's definitely a unique business in that the only barrier to entry is, is yourself and whether or not you're actually going to put the time and work into. Absolutely. Um, which is freeing, but also very scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? But to, oh, to, your, to your point, there are, you know, conversations where, you know, with people who are, are getting their license or just got it. And I'll ask, well, have you thought about where you plan on getting your business? And, and they haven't yet. So you, that's a very important part of the business and not something that you can just skate past. Like if you don't have clients, you don't 
the rest of it doesn't even doesn't even matter but i think that's very telling for who really is ready to build a business and if not maybe take a step back and really think about some of those things without clients Absolutely. you don't have a foundation yeah it's it's so true and right I, I i'm a believer in that there's not one right way to build that business and i know some people will say here read this book and this is how you build your real estate business and this is the model and follow this blueprint this is how it works you know, I, I read a lot of books and I have all sorts of uh, perspectives on successful ways to build a real estate business. But I think what works for me may not work for you and, and vice versa. And that's okay, but we need to have a plan. And so whether you have a gigantic network of people in the city of Chicago or you know zero people, I have brokers that have been extremely successful with both. So that to me is not something that's an indicator of success. You know, ultimately it is just, are you willing to hustle for it? Do you have that level of commitment? Do you understand you're opening a business? And make sure, again, you surround yourself with people that are truly vested in your, your success, not just on the short term, but the long term as well. Mm -hmm. I think that deeds, not words, is, it is exactly who you are. And I love telling this story um, sometimes when speaking with agents who want to get into the business about how you got started in real estate. You've shared this in training before. You did it so many open houses. And for the first, what was it five months or so? Like, Six months. Six months, you didn't get any yeah. contracts. But then in that sixth month, you wrote like six contracts or something insane. And it was just the result of all of your hard work. Mm -hmm. And even though you didn't see that immediate result right away, you stuck to the actions. You just kept doing it. You kept following up with people. You did the things and then you got the results um, from being patient and just doing what you knew would work. So I love that story because I think it's really mm -hmm. telling about how you just you just have to keep doing, keep doing yeah. things. Yeah, you, did, you know that there's... We ask our brokers to put some faith and trust in us that we're, we're good at what we do. And, and we, of course, have a track record to, to support that. But, uh, you know, real estate's one of those where on day one, you're not necessarily going to have that immediate success. Right. You have to believe that what you're doing, you know, we don't control our clients' timeframes. I was just, I just happened to be meeting people that uh, had a longer horizon. But, but really, I was doing the right things. Things were working. Uh, was I frustrated? Of course. Uh, but at the same time, I, again, had a good team around me that kept me going and encouraged me to keep taking those actions. Um, and one of the things that we always talk about, too, in real estate is you really just can't get too high. And it's true of any sales career, probably. But you can't get too high and you can't get too low. We want to celebrate the wins. But guess what? I'm going to celebrate and then move right along to the next thing and try and find my next win. At the same time, we're going to have really challenging situations and challenging days. And you can't let yourself get too low for too long. We, you know, talk about it. We learn from it. We see what we could maybe have done differently. Uh, and try and identify opportunities going forward, but you have to just keep going. And you know, that's, you look at it in even today's market during this pandemic, there are certain people that got, you know, you, of course you have to process what's going on and figure out where you are uh, and what is going to happen and there's concerns for safety and all of that is very valid. But at a certain point, certain brokers were much better at getting to the point of action versus yeah. reaction and if you can get to that point of action faster than other people then this becomes a major opportunity and so i don't know but all of those activities if you weren't doing them along all along it's tough to kind of push the start button again sure yeah it's definitely a, a career that has momentum and yeah. once that momentum stops it's hard to to, to make it happen again absolutely um, David, I believe at the last sales meeting, you even mentioned that some of our brokers currently, their year-to-date sales numbers are past where they were last year, which is absolutely incredible considering everything that's happened. It's incredible. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's actually over half of our office. And wow. uh, that, I mean, I was looking at those and I checked it twice. 
because it's like, wow, this is great. <laughs> yeah, the market is down fairly significantly as a whole. And so to be outpacing the market at that level, I, you know, that's kind of loops back around to some of your other, one of your earlier questions about, you know, moments where you were, were proud or, or very uh, excited about something like that was a little snapshot in time where I looked at that and I thought, okay, like this is a reflection of all of the hard work of our entire team, you know, of Nagin and John and Diana and everybody that's involved that you, you see the results in the numbers and you say, okay, it's unbelievable that they, during this crazy time, we're still able to thrive and be productive at a level that uh, is just kind of mind blowing. Yeah, that's huge. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's all you can say about it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> but I also think, you know, from the perspective of also being one of your agents too, your leadership has been fantastic. You've always mm -hmm. had a positive message. You've encouraged agents to keep taking action and not give in to the fear. Um, which has been very easy to do, right? There's been so much uncertainty, as uh, was Andrew says, during these uncertain times. So there's yeah. been so much uncertainty the last few months. It would have been very easy to just kind of like crawl into a hole and mm -hmm. wait for it to pass. Um, but as you said, like the agents who kind of took the bull by the horns, they became leaders for their clients and a resource mm -hmm. and were very proactive. And that's, that's coming from your example because that's how you were with us as agents. You didn't hide. You didn't disappear as our managing broker. You were in front of us calling agents, having sales meetings, like making sure we knew you were there and staying positive the whole time, even if you know, some weeks the numbers didn't look so good and, and may have been a little concerning. You always were positive and that, that trickles down to your agents as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you know, I, that's just kind of who I am. I've always been that way. And not to say, again, I don't have challenging days and things like that. Everybody does, but I have always, even during the recession, when I was in sales, I will tell you fourth quarter of 2009 was one of my best sales quarters ever. And it's incredibly counterintuitive. It was one of the worst quarters for Chicago real estate. Um, but while I noticed looking around the office, because then, you know, it wasn't pandemic, so it was terrible, but you could still go in the office. Right. Um, you, you look around the office and desks that used to be very full were very empty, except for a handful of us that kept coming to work and showing up and having conversations. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing I will say is you can't be afraid of a difficult conversation. That time was crazy. I mean, I would be walking into people that I helped buy a home and you know, walking into a listing presentation because they could no longer afford to pay the mortgage or whatever it was, and letting them know that their home was now worth you know, eight, 10% less than it was when they bought it you know, three years ago. And those were hard conversations, but honestly, you have to be willing to have those hard conversations because they really did need the help. You know, I helped them help so many people avoid foreclosure, which meant that three years later, they could come back into the marketplace and be buyers and, and having conversations with those people now, it's awesome. I mean, they, I had a conversation with a former client about a week ago um, who brought up just how lucky she feels that we had the opportunity to connect because without my support and guidance, they never would have gotten out of their condo. Now they live in this great house. So they have kids and, you know, things got figured out. So uh, that's the thing as a real estate broker and kind of having the heart of a teacher and, uh, you have to be genuine in your approach. You have to be not only willing, but informed in your approach. So if you don't know what to do, you have to figure it out, uh, or at least make sure you have the resources around you. Um, but you have to be, be willing to kind of take that step to, to move things forward. 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, just hearing you talk is making you realize having the heart of a teacher is like way more important as an agent than, than I realize. I mean, it makes sense. Like, 
before working at Baird Warner, I knew nothing about real estate. And that's where most of your clients are at. Like they're trusting you to teach them and to guide them. So yeah, I mean, it is, even with your clients, you have a specific like leadership position. You're leading them through this huge transition in life. And yeah, that makes it, I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting lost in the fact that this is more than just like a, a sales-based career. It's also something like you're, you're really teaching and leading. Like it's a, it's almost a, vo a vocation in some ways. Yeah. And honestly with that too, it's always changing, right? So somebody that bought or sold a house seven years ago, doing it now is very different than it was seven years ago. So, uh, and honestly, that's one of the reasons I still love real estate so much is because every year is so different. You know, it's not my, your typical, um, like office space job with TPS reports and, uh, right. my stapler. It's, uh, it changes every year. Each year comes with new opportunity and new challenges and new opportunities for learning and supporting people. So uh, that's, I think, one of the uh, one of like the sneaky positive aspects of real estate is it always changes. Yeah, I love it. it keeps you on your toes. Okay. It's true. <laughs> okay, we're gonna ask one more real question and then we have the two heavy hitter questions at the end. Perfect. So the real question is. What are qualities that you look for when interviewing agents to join the Lincoln Park office? Similar to the last question, but this is specifically about joining our office. It's a, it's a great question. I'm, I'm very protective of our office culture. I mean, that to me is something that matters uh, almost more than anything else. And it's, so I think, you know, I really want people that are professional in their approach, not only to how they support their clients, but how they treat their colleagues. That's a big one for me. Uh, I want people that are motivated and positive. Uh, we are very collaborative in our office. And so, you know, if Nagin is working with a client, she has a certain challenge or an opportunity, she's more than willing to share it with other people and brainstorm on different solutions. That to me is a big thing. Uh, and really more, I'll throw in there too, again, it's just kind of work ethic. I want people that want to work hard. Um, you know, I, I get excited about what I do. We get excited about what we're offering and what we deliver on a regular basis. And again, we have this awesome team around us. And we want people that want to embrace that and learn and develop and, and continue to push forward. So uh, that's what I would say. I have a follow-up, John, if I may. You may. So that's what you're looking for in agents. What would you say is the benefit to an agent that joins Baird & Warner and the advantages that the company and our office specifically provide those agents? Yeah, that's a great question too. So you know, any broker that comes to our office, either from a competitor or uh, another marketplace or whatever it may be, they always say, they're always amazed at the level of interaction amongst the brokers in our office and the level of interaction from our management team and staff to the individual brokers. And so I think that the benefit is that we truly have a vested interest in your individual success. And it's not a one size fits all approach. It's not a, hey, read this, this is how everybody in the office is going to do their business. And you won't hear from me again in six months, until six months from now. Um, it's just, you know, I'm more authentic and genuine, I think, than that. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good about that offering if that is how we took the approach. So I think whether you're new or experienced, people that join our office, they know full well, they get an individualized level of support that just can't be matched. And that to me is something I'm never willing to compromise on. And I know it's something that Steve Baird won't compromise on either. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, he demonstrates it day in and day out. Yeah, I think that something that's fairly unique to Baird and Warner is that our managing brokers don't compete with their agents. They don't sell. So you're 
undivided attention is on supporting the agents, even if it's after hours within reason, of course. Um, but if, if we had a question and it's seven o'clock on a weeknight, I could give you a call or on like on a weekend, if I needed you to help me with a listing presentation, like I know that I could reach out to you um, and you would be able to help me or direct me to the other person on staff that might be able to help me with that issue. 100%. And, and it goes even a step further too, Nadine. I mean, there's, I don't know of another office that has two assistant managers to the level that we have and, and that are so skilled and good at what they do to support all brokers. And then the staff, I mean, right. We have so many great staff and obviously John, you're included in that, that are in the office day in and day out. Well, maybe not during the pandemic, but they're in the office generally <laughs> day in and day out. Uh, and their, their one charge is what can they do to help the brokers get one more transaction today? And they've heard me say that a million times. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's crucial. I think it's crucial to the culture, but it's also just, just the right thing to do. Absolutely. Are Oof, we ready for that was good. Answer? Yeah, that was really good. Um, I'm right. I'm ready for your hard hitting questions, John. I, I don't know if I'm ready for these, John. <laughs> I just want to say, I love this podcast because I never going into these calls. I never know what we're going to get out of the conversation, what I'm going to take away. And it's always just so encouraging to hear all these different brokers and agents like, everyone's good at something. Everyone approaches this business in a different way. And it's just so cool to be able to like hear these stories. And I think it's helping shape my understanding of real estate. Awesome. Not that it matters because I'm not an agent, but I, yeah, this is, this is a great, I, I of love course it. it matters. Of course. But no, I appreciate it. And again, I, the fact that you guys spend the time to put this together is so great. And, you know, sharing knowledge of not only your own knowledge, but these great brokers that we have in our office and their different stories. It's just a fantastic venue. So um, I agree. Perfect. Okay. Ready? Your question is, how do you think the introduction of crude oil shaped the <laughs> market in the 19th century of America? It's a great question, John. I'm actually really <laughs> glad you brought this up. Do you mind if I use graphs? <laughs> Actual question. Um, two. What's I, was, your favorite? I was very concerned there for a moment. I was like, what? You're like, what? <laughs> John's gone rogue. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, actual question. What's your favorite color? And what's your deepest and darkest fear? And answer I do have to answer both. Come on now. I've heard I have an option as to whether or not I want to answer both. I'm taking both. that out. I'm taking okay. that out. Yeah, no longer, it's no longer optional. So um, I think everybody would probably know my favorite color, color is blue. So I'll just kind of fall in line. Uh, I think 95% of the clothing I wear uh, is blue of some nature. So um, blue is the easy one. The deepest, darkest fear was actually acquired during, well, I have two. I'll share two with you. It's all, all overachieved. Wow, extra credit. One, one is spiders. And the reason is spiders. Now, it's not like, I'm not like afraid to go help a spider outside, but I lived in, in an apartment in college for two years that had a spider infestation. And of course, in college, you just kind of think like, oh, yeah, this is just a, a crappy place. And you don't do anything about it. You just kind of let it keep going. So um, every morning I would wake up and there were literally multiple spiders crawling on me and crawling in my bed. And I just thought that it was normal and never did anything. Ultimately, that I think led to my fear of spiders. So yeah, I sufficiently, I think, grossed both of you out. Um, the, the second is a fear of heights, which I never used to have until I was in college and one of my jobs in college uh, for a couple of summers was painting houses and this one summer and you have of course this 
sense of invincibility when you're in college. And I guess anytime when you're younger, you feel like nothing can happen. Uh, we had this peak of this one house I was painting and I was on a 40 foot ladder and we had, it was on a hill. So we had taken some rocks and put them under one leg of the ladder, totally unsafe for so many different reasons. <laughs> but at the time you're kind of like, ah, oh, no big deal. What could happen? Well, yeah, who cares? It's going to be fine. Right? So I climb up the ladder. I have like a paintbrush and paint can in one hand. And I'm holding on to the ladder with the other hand. And as I'm painting this piece of trim up at the top, a bat comes out and spreads its wings like right in my face and flies right by my ear and like inches from my face. And I froze, dropped the paint can and started leaning backwards. And luckily my friend was at the bottom because the ladder started shaking and I held on, but I was like this close to falling off of a 40 foot ladder. And so from that point in time, I don't like heights very much anymore either. So those are my two amazing fears to share with you. I hated both of those stories. Yes, you are very welcome. You are very welcome. Do you want to talk about crude oil instead? Yeah, can we? <laughs> I think that is the second worst bat in history, only to the one that started the coronavirus. There you go. There you go. That exactly. isn't the same bat. Maybe it was. <laughs> um, those are pretty great. Um, David, Thank you so much for sharing your time and your stories and your wisdom with us today. Um, if there are uh, agents within Baird & Warner, outside of Baird & Warner that have questions or someone who's thinking about getting into the business that just wants to reach out and pick your brain, what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, always feel free to call me at the office 773-697-5600 or check out our great site where we share some content, um, including this podcast. It's bwlincolnpark.com. So either of those venues, we would love to connect always. Great. And we'll put that information in the show notes of this episode for whichever platform you're listening to this on. Hopefully soon it's Apple Podcasts um, if they pick us up now that we have this, a lot this, of episodes. This one's going to boost us over the top. This could be the one that they've been waiting for. Perfect. Perfect. David, thank you again. We really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you, thank guys. You guys are superstars. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good day, everybody. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.